ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Eyes and Teeth, That Showbiz, the penultimate episode of season 14. Today I talk to an award-winning comedy magician renowned on the magic and cabaret circuit. We talk about Sir Ken Dodd, Blackpool Magic, Sumo Wrestling, Bob Monkhouse, The Magic Castle in Los Angeles, and we chat about Jimmy's love of working as a drummer in a band, as a teenager and in the present day. The Hedgehog anecdote is one of my favourites, but it's nice to catch up with one of the friendliest, most down-to-earth of entertainers who has loved his work at sea and on land, and to prove it's in his veins, he returns as Santa Claus this Christmas 2023. So watch this space. In the meantime, welcome to today's guest, Jimmy Carlo. Ho, 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 ho. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. It's so nice to see you. You've always got a smile on your face, Jimmy. I, I love your, your persona. It's just, this is probably why people love you so much. On stage, off stage. You're the same person, aren't you? I'm just a little yeah. relaxed fat man. That's all I am. He's <laughs> a, a happy man. That's what we want to see. And you, you're just telling me about a, a big job that's coming up later this year. And you retired last time I saw you. So what's going on, Jimmy? You, you can't leave the yeah. business. No, I hit 66 in March and I thought, that's it. I'm going to retire. Then I bought a set of drums and joined a couple of bands. Um, but one of the bands was quite big in the uh, 70s called Life Fantastic. And yeah. then, oh, about 30 odd years ago, when I was in America, I went to a Santa school, learned how to do Santa and different things. And I've never done nothing with it. So this year I've said, now I've retired. I've only got a few kids parties I do now. I don't do the cruises. So I'm going to go into doing Santa Claus. So I've been searching for the wigs and the costumes and the boots and everything. Got to be done properly. So I'm going to spend about two and a half thousand pounds setting it all up. Amazing. We've well, got 11 months to get ready and <laughs> start oh, <yeah>. saving. <laughs> I think I need a website before that, Steve. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it does take a lot of building, doesn't it, to start a business. You've got you've got the PR, you've got a website, you've got to get the costumes, the, the content. Yeah. You've got to build that act. But to have it yeah. ready by Christmas would be... I can't wait to see it, mate. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. and I've got to, I have to do it properly as well. I can't do it sort of half-cock, you know. It's, I've got to have the proper wig. It's got to... I like these wigs that you can see the face and the expressions, not these ones that cover the whole face up, you know. So that's why it's, uh, it's expensive. I think it's about £500 for the wig and the, the moustache and the beards. So, um, so could, could you not grow it yourself? You've got time. My missus down like, down like, even if I've got a bit of bristle like now, it's just, <laughs> it's like, oh, it sticks in me, shave it off. <laughs> oh, does she? Oh, oh, I don't blame her. So you're from the Midlands. That's right, isn't it? Can you tell me about growing up in the Midlands and what yeah, were you I into was, as a kid? I was born and bred in Cannock Chase in a place called Bridgetown, which was a little village um, where everybody knew everybody. Sort of thing. If you was playing out in the street and you were about 10 streets away on a Sunday morning, my mother would shout, Jimmy, your dinner's ready. And then somebody in another street would go, Jimmy, your mother wants you. And, you know, it was over <laughs> It's quite a nice, nice place to grow up to. Close-knit um, community. Yeah, and we, we, uh, we had a big sawmill that we used to go and get the sawdust and make our own football pitches with on the, on the, some grass and things, you know. Ah, oh, good so, old days. Place, yeah, and then um, when I was 14, we started a band with the two lads from school. And then uh, that went on for a while. And then 15, when I left school, I had to start a proper job for two weeks to earn enough money to join a band in Scandinavia. In Scandinavia, from the Midlands. So you, you were a drummer. You really loved your drumming. 
Yeah, I was a pro drummer 15 years before I did anything else. I made a record, you know, but uh, it was close. It was very close. Well, it's nice to get close, isn't it? There was a fifth Beatle that got close, wasn't there? <laughs> so know, yeah. that, was, that was so close. And, yeah. and there, was, there was another drummer as well, wasn't there, that kind of took, took over. Uh, Ringo took over from a drummer. That's Pete Best, was it? Um, so, yeah, it is very, you know, you just don't know where these bands are going to go after you leave. That's the worry, isn't it? <laughs> No, I mean we had we had some inquiries from a couple, you know, a couple of big record companies. But um, I think one one company just wanted to shelve us because we was better than the bands they got. <laughs> oh, nice, so, nice. Yeah, which yeah, we found out later on. So where would you no. work? Would there be cabaret clubs and um, sort of social clubs? Well, we we used to have a lot of sort of Thin Lizzy, ELO, Queen, Status Quo, that sort of stuff. Um, bit of Sullivan right. Brothers and Quiver. So nice. it's mainly. Sort of big pubs, you know, big sort of um, rock venue type pubs, and then universities, colleges, that sort of thing. Brilliant. Yeah. That's great. I mean, at 15, 16 years old, to be on the road with your mates must have been brilliant. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was brilliant, yeah. And we had some good uh, some good times as well. You know, like I was telling you about that time with the... Uh, if we had, if it was only working on a Saturday night and we hadn't got a Sunday, we used to go up Canic Chase after the gig. <laughs> and um, just have a sit down in the moonlight and everything, you know. And this, I think I told you about this. The one day when I was, um, I was dying for a, <laughs> and uh, and there was a toilet back in Canuck in the bus station, but they wouldn't drive me back to Canuck. And they said go and have one up a tree. So we found some <laughs> toilet paper in the van, and there's just me in the moonlight, and uh, I'm leaning me back against a tree, having a. And I looked down, and all of a sudden, my was walking away from me because I'd, I'd run an edge hug. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's the story to start off our podcast today. Was was a walking walking turd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, oh, that's it's walking away from me. I mean, maybe maybe you uh, went to the toilet in a really posh area and they just self-clean themselves. <laughs> yeah. might, you never know, yeah. yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah. And there, was another, there was another funny story we used to do in the day, 10-day um, runs up the northeast for agents, you know, so you got there for 10 days. And we'd done nine days, and the next day we're supposed to do a Sunday dinner time and a Sunday night. And on the Saturday night when we finished, the agent rang and said, don't bother going to the club on the Sunday. They were all going to a, a horse race meeting, so there'd be nobody there. So they decided to drive back on the Saturday night. Well, because I didn't drink, I did all the driving. And we're halfway back. We'd have, I think we were at Scotch Corner or something, and I'm tired. And I said, oh, that's coming. Somebody else drive. Nobody would drive. And we used to sleep in the back of the van. We had a big Merc van with a sliding door. So I just said, I'm going to park up. I parked up in a field behind a hedge. Got in the sleeping bag with just my pants on. Next morning, I'm going for a wee. Gets up, slides the door, starts having a wee out the door, and there's a car boot sale around us. <laughs> <laughs> I love those sort of stories. You just don't know where they're going, do you? No, great memories, great memories. And uh, you didn't know where your poo was going, and the hedgehog... It, apparently, your poo <laughs> went across the road. <laughs> oh, he might have been going to Scotch Corner. He <laughs> <laughs> might have been. Why did the poo cross the road? He was sat on a hedgehog. So when when did magic start to creep into your... When did you go from drumming in a band, which you really enjoyed, and I'd never had anywhere to go to the toilet, from actually going on stage and doing a magic show? Well, it, it all started, Steve, when I was a kid and my dad worked at the foundry in Cannock. 
and we used to have a Christmas party every year. And I always said, Dad, see if you can get me a magic set. And I never had a magic set of Santa. I had uh, some, I mean, some fantastic games and things, a bit of a sky electric thing once and everything, but never got a magic set. Uh-huh. And then when I was about 13, I was in Blackpool, I saw somebody doing a Svengali deck. And I thought, well, that's great. And I bought it, only a pound or two pound, I think. And I went and sat on the toilet for hours just learning this Svengali deck. And it got me hooked on it. And then all the like, way, even through the drumming, all the way through, I'd always been interested in magic. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm just really chuffed you yeah. found a toilet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> After all this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. So you just started learning and then from then on you got the bug. Yeah, yeah. Eyes and teeth. Then I, I think I went to, oh, what was it? Supreme Day when I was younger as well. And bought a few things. I bought some stuff from Terry Herbert, you know, um, Oh, bless him. Uh, Silver Scepter and things like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, be, it became a great friend of mine afterwards. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. And uh, I always hear about uh, magicians, ventriloquists, even comics, you know, being inspired by great magicians before them. But those great magicians always help the younger generation, don't they? They've always looked down and go, you know, do this, do this, have this, yeah. learn this. And they pass it on, which has always been a nice thing in this business, I've always seen. Yeah, there was a funny thing with Terry Herbert as well, because when he saw me the Silver Scepter, he was known for the Silver Scepter, you know, his, his, his big ah. thing. And uh, when I put some DVDs out years ago afterwards, like, you know, I put some DVDs on magic and games and things. And the Silver Scepter was one of my routines on it. And he showed it to his grandchildren and they couldn't stop laughing at this routine. <laughs> and in one of the magazines afterwards, he put um, something like, I was known about, with the silver scepter, you know, it was my trick. He says, and, and my grandkids have seen it for years and years and years growing up. And they couldn't stop laughing at Jimmy Carlo's routine when I was Jimbo, you know. Um, <laughs> right. So that was a nice compliment from him. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's brilliant. Uh, so you were known as Jimbo when you did the magic early days? Yeah, for the kids' shows, yeah, Jimbo. And I, I used to work for P&O and different things as well. So I had some nice, nice contracts. Can you tell me about the sumo act? And I've never seen the sumo wrestling act that you did, but I know that it was a really big part of your, your repertoire. Uh, not easy yeah. to say. So uh, how did that come about and how long did you do that for? Well, when I was in the ex-wife, we, um, I met her at Skegness in the band. It was my last year in the band. Okay. Was that Crystal, was it? And we, um, I met her there. And then the following year, we sort of lived together. And I, went, I thought, right, this is it now. I've got a chance to go into the magic because the band was splitting up. And I taught her what to do. I taught her how to walk and different things and, and act on stage. And, you know, even though she's my ex-wife now, she was actually brilliant on stage. And uh, we had our first summer season in Jersey. And the second summer season was in the Isle of Man. So while I was in the Isle of Man, we had this idea about the sumo wrestling act, you know, because uh, most magicians then was all the, the top hat and tails and the dicky bows. Yeah, it wanted to be different. Uh, yeah, and of course Tommy Cooper was my hero, you know. And we found this wedding shop and we said, can you make any kimonos and things? So they made us some kimonos <laughs> and we worked the act out. I got in touch with my mattox, so I, I got an idea for this sub-trunk routine where we didn't actually do a changeover. Um, if you go on YouTube, Steve, and put up um, Sumo Magician Full Act, 10 minutes of the IBM competition will, will come on. Oh, brilliant. We had this prop made while we were still in the Isle of Man, worked all the act out, came back home on the Tuesday, picked the, the props up, because it was like three sub-trunks made in, you know, they, they all work separately, but in, in one routine. So we, we never actually change over. She goes in the one, which but we, I put her in a, in a funny way, uh, but she comes out of one of the little ones at the side. 
you know, so it was, it was a different, oh, um, nice. and I stand on the sub trunk to change over, you know, when you throw the cloth up and you change it over, but I'm stood on it and it rips right across the middle. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all like comedy. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, and then uh, because we did that, it's, I think it was Great Yarmouth, the, the, the IBM convention, and we won all the awards. You know, we won the, the best comedy act, the most original act, and the best magic act. Hat trick. In one night. Yeah. And there was a few people, Jeff Hobson and people like that were there, you know, and they wow. congratulated us and things. Yeah. And, um, and then from that, somebody came up to me, Bill Lamb and Tom Owen, it was, yeah, sorry. And they said, will you do Blackpool Convention the following year? So uh, we did the convention at Blackpool with Rudy Kobe, the Pendragons, um, Alan Shackson. And then from there, that's when Doddy saw us and he came up to the dressing room, asked us to do some tours with him. And also Michael Vine, if you remember Michael Vine. Yeah, uh, Michael's, yeah, giant in show business, yeah. Yeah, well, he, I think he was, um, he's Darren's manager. Darren Brown's, now. yeah. He's yeah. But at the time, he came up to the dressing room and said, I've never seen a funnier act like, you know, the, the sumo act. Uh, if I can do anything with you, you know, just give me a call. And we ummed and hard and ummed and hard whether to have him as a manager. And then the following week, on the Sunday, I rang you up. I said, yes, we'll go with you. And he said, oh, I've just saw Joe Pasquale on the television. He's, and, and he took Joe on instead. Oh, timing. <laughs> yeah. That's showbiz, eh? That's what they say. I know, yeah. That's the name of this season. So, um, I mean, all those things that happen, though, in this business, they happen for a reason, Jimmy, don't they? And so you're, you're doing oh, yeah. the Magic Convention, which is... The biggest magic convention in the world it's amazing to go to blackpool and i really enjoyed it a couple of years ago uh 2019 just before uh, 2020 actually before the lockdown and mm -hmm. it was just a wonderful four days but if you get seen there you're getting seen by three thousand people in that big room aren't you? Oh, the yeah, I mean, we had conventions all over the world after that you know we was going all over the world doing magic conventions you know the um, the gala shows and things it was brilliant yeah jimmy carlo's sumo magic act is clearly visual so so here's just a little piece of the act via audio just listen to the laughter and reactions of the audience Oh, you got some television shows from it as well. Yeah, I mean, we had shows in Belgium, Germany, Zurich. So was the sumo act, was it uh, just a visual comedy magic act? So there's no, not really spoken word. So you could take it no. across the European TV shows. Yeah, even um, our main act, um, the Jimmy Carlo and Crystal act, they, that was a 45 minute show and it was all visual comedy, no, no vocal at all. Wow, that's yeah. great. And we've done that in working men's clubs as well. So you can tell, how, you know, it's a... It was a pretty well-timed act, 
Yeah, brilliant. So it's a good sharp 10 minutes, which on, on a TV variety show is perfect. Eight to 10 minutes. Yeah. The sumo was. Yeah, the sumo. sumo. Was a, we, we did stretch it out because we did it at Pontins for a while. So we stretched it out to a 40 minute act with some of our other props in it, you know. But when we did it with Doddy, it was, it was a 10 minute act. Oh, brilliant. And I, well, no, sorry. It was about 20 minutes when we did it with Doddy, sorry. Yeah. Everything got longer when, when Doddy was involved. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so he saw you, and it's so uh, it's so uh, such a poignant thing. Now, there's a Ken Dodd Award at the Magic Convention, isn't there? Which I know a couple of years ago, Ken was actually presenting his own award to acts that would That's win right. it. But yeah. it's nice that we have that memory that there will be a Ken Dodd Award for people oh, to, to win gosh, the Magic. Yeah. And and so Ken was there. Ken saw you, and then he signed you up. And so, what was it like first going on to tour with Ken and? And you must oh, have got to know him well. And I did three years with him on the road. And that was only two shows. Yeah. <laughs> so I love doing that line. You know, I do. Yeah. yeah. So um, what was it like for you, Jimmy, getting to know Ken? It was brilliant. I mean, we did become really good friends with him. We had um, some nice stories as well. There was a, a story when we used to go to Eastbourne. And uh, we used to go, and his partner used to say, oh, we're going in the tube shop, Jimmy. So... His entourage and us would all go in the tube shop and she said, now sit around the corner so nobody can see Ken, so he hasn't he's going to be pestered. And then we'd all sat there, order our fish and chips, and the next minute, uh, Anne would say, where's Ken? And you could hear him at the front with all the punters. <laughs> so even though we'd all eaten around the corner, he's still gone back around and... Yeah, doing his thing. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm here at Eastbourne now. And... Um, I think the last time Ken was here, I invited him round the house. But Anne says, as soon as we get there, we go to our favourite fish and chip shop, which is still there, down two miles yeah. from my house. And, and I, OK, we'll just see you at the show. But he always had to go straight to the fish and chip shop before they went and set yeah. up and rehearsed. It was just That's his thing. Right, yeah. And obviously, he's been doing the routine for 60, 70 years. So when he does the tours, he knows where he needs to be. And, and you can't ruin that routine, you know, with someone so brilliantly minded really with their oh yeah, their work. yeah. his long coat and his uh his trilby hat <laughs> always at stage door yeah and, and he always yeah. had time for people didn't he always whether, oh, yeah. Yeah. whether it was just fans or young performers and the support acts on on tour with him he would give you his time in the dressing room while he was yeah. writing the checkout for you <laughs> that's right well, we spoke to him one day we had this idea of doing um uh, Laurel Nardi act, oh, and we were somewhere oh. in the somewhere around the country with him, and um, we just talked because he loved Laurel and Hardy, and we we're just talking about it. And I said, "Oh, we've been thinking about doing a Laurel and Hardy act, you know, like a little ten minute thing." And a week later, he rang me up and he said, "He used to call me Little Jimmy." Ken had. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> and he got, yeah, he said, "Little Jimmy, it's Kenneth here." I said, "No, Ken, this Laurel and Hardy act." He said, um, "I booked you in in two weeks to do what was the, I forget the place now." It's the other side of Liverpool, the other side of Mersey. New Brighton. New Brighton, yeah. Oh, and he yeah, said, We've yeah. Got, I've got the Appenes show there and I've booked you in the, the, to do Lollanardi. And we haven't even got an act. So in two, in <laughs> it two was an weeks. idea, yeah. Yeah, in two weeks we put the whole act together and it, and it just went to storm. Brilliant. And I saw yeah. a photograph of you dressed up. I was going to ask you about the Lauren Hardy thing. And there's a nice picture of you as uh, Oliver Hardy. And who was, yeah. the, who was the gentleman with you? Or was that your well, partner? The, the, the first time was my partner, my ex-wife. Oh, okay. She did the first one, yeah. And, and she was very good at it again. And then a few years later, me and a, a guy called Carl Brent, who's a comedy impressionist. Right. Um, we went out and did a few Lauren Hardy things as well, yeah. 
brilliant. I think that's the photo that I saw you and Carl. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it, it's amazing that when you're given a deadline, you actually nail it. But, you know, it's like I've, I'm trying to finish this book, you know, and I need someone to say to me, you've got three weeks to finish it. And I would do it. But I carry on doing yeah. podcasts, doing gigs, getting ready for Panto, uh, taking the kids swimming and, and it's just trying to be dad and husband, you know. And so when you're given a deadline, I need someone to say that. So I finish my book this year. But um, I'm going to give myself a deadline for that. But like what Ken did for you, for the Lauren oh. Hardy, you actually went away and you put it together and you couldn't say yeah. no, really, could you? No. And then and we got a few televisions with that and a few gigs. And that was that was nice. Uh, we did a big BBC thing one year. I think they used to call it the, the big quiz or something. It was a Christmas thing and they had oh, yeah. all the nurses oh, yeah. and all something else and all the firemen and they used to quiz against each other. And because right. we was in the entertainers, but we was the Lola Nardi thing, it was nice. And we also did the Wild West show, the knife throwing act as well. Oh, um, nice. That was put together in three weeks for a cruise ship. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yeah. And I'd never threw a knife in my life. And in three weeks, I was shooting apples off red with a bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. After a few years of marriage, you get to learn these things. Don't you? Yeah. And, and so could you get the knives through the security at the airports? That's always a worry when you're juggling and, you know, when you've got yeah, sort of gu guns and those sort of things. We did it in the Millennium in 2000 in Malta. And we had a massive flight case in the flight. Okay, so we had, I did fire eating, so we had all the fire stuff and the petrol. Uh, I had eight machetes, 16 throwing knives, a starter pistol, bow and arrows, and we took it to watch and he said, what's in that? And I told him and he went, oh, okay, then. Then the keyboard player's behind us with the keyboard in the case and he took that apart. <laughs> You're joking. He yeah, let you we, through. <laughs> yeah, crazy. You look like the friendliest terrorist I've ever seen, though. I mean, like I said, <laughs> you're always smiling, so. Ooh controversial so you got a season on the isle of man i've never been there yeah, i'd that, love to go that was lovely yeah we um i think we did a showcase at the um when the stage showcase used to be on and the guy from the isle of man saw us and went to the villa marina and we did the season there um big variety show and uh norman wisdom came and seen us a couple of times as well that was nice we got, oh, got into norman and listen. then when he came to england we did a few shows with him as well it's nice to support these people in the business when them jobs come up, you know, you get Norman Wisdom, Ken Darden, these greats that we've always, we knew about, you know, when we started out. And for them to, yeah. I mean, Roy, Roy Hudge, you worked with Roy Hudge, Elite City Varieties. We worked with Roy quite a few times, yeah. And um, it was Roy that actually got me to lose weight a bit. Was it? Uh, yeah, when we was, we was with him one time and his wife and they were talking about how he'd lost a lot of weight. And Yeah, he uh, did the same, that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so I ended up losing about 10 stone, which was good, you know. Oh, bless him. He was always full of great advice, wasn't he, Roy? Yeah, yeah she shut it down. It was so sad. I, I worked with him at Leeds City Varieties as well. And it was that moment when he said, I'm going to make you a water rat. He, he was always so good to people, like Doddy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that great big sausage he used to throw to the audience. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, he used to have like a big spaceman, he used to throw it, a big blown spaceman and something else. And he had a massive like 20 foot sausage and he used to throw it out into the audience. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. I, I love prop acts. I lost touch with him for about 10 years. Then we met up on a cruise ship. We were working together on some cruise ships, which, which was fabulous then. It's great to bump into people now and again, isn't it? I mean, I... I don't think we've worked together, you know, Jimmy, but I, I we bump into each other at different oh, events, didn't yeah. we? We were at the same venue, if you remember that once. Where was that it? it was... Oh, no, we did. I don't know, because if you remember, you was there and we'd got a caravan and you hadn't got a caravan. And I said, you can come and share our caravan, if you remember. Oh, bless and you. And you were at the one. Rooms. 
Yeah, you was at the one room, and I was in the other room. Yeah, that was either Coombe Haven or was. They've got a big, the big room on. There's a big park and the White horse. Might have been. Yeah, they've got the big lights and the stage, the, the revolving stage. That one. Yeah, that that's um. Uh, is it like White Horse Chichester? Selsey? Is it Selsey? That sort of. Might thing. be. I don't know. I think so. Um, anyway, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you kind of uh, bump into people now and again at different venues. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I remember working with Doddy actually one Christmas and I was doing Northampton with Doddy and next door, because we were in the concert hall, next door was Paul Zerdin in pantomime. So a concert oh, hall the in the theatre. Durngate, yeah. And so yeah, the, yeah. But they had the same stage door, so me and Paul walked out together, which is yeah, strange. Yeah. No, sorry. sorry, we had a funny one with when Bob Monkhouse did Opportunity Knox. And we had a funny thing there. We um, we'd gone to do the opportunity knocks thing, and we only did three, four minutes of the sumo act. And we had the producer. We had them all in. There was him crying in tears with this because it was a funny routine. And Bob was there as well. It was funny because he came in. We don't normally come in, and uh, and he said afterwards, "It's all really nice, act, Thank you." And when we got the letter back saying we we, we hadn't got the the show, I was gutted because it was the best audition we'd ever done. Oh, and it must have oh. been three years later. Probably three years later, um, we were doing a big show in Jersey, uh, only for a night for Ford. Um, we stayed over to to meet friends for a couple of nights, and um, he was on a, a place called the Inn on the Park. Bob Monkhouse was, oh, and we wow. knew the people, so we went to see him. And then afterwards, we stayed over for drinks and things. And as we came out, there was like two entrances: the back entrance and the front entrance. We come out the one entrance, going towards the Grand Hotel. He's come out the back entrance going towards the Grand Hotel, and you sort of meet in a, a triangle. <laughs> and I say it's three years later, and, and I went, oh, great show, Bob, really enjoyed it. And he went, oh, thank you. And then he looked again, and he said, Jimmy, Carlo and Crystal? And he's only met us once for a few seconds. And, and he was saying, oh, that, that sumo, that he said, oh, so funny. And I went, well, it weren't good enough to get on the, the television programme. And he said, oh, there's a good reason for that. <laughs> wow. Well, I've heard great things about Bob Monkhouse's memory and remembering people in the street. Just if they'd done his TV show, he would remember oh, you. And he was always good like he that. He did, yeah. And, yeah, great. yeah, someone told me. And they said, uh, this is like five years after they'd done a TV show with him. He said, oh, how's your wife? And he, he, he remembered the, the wife's name and, yeah. and the children, said, which is a lovely fabulous. thing. That's had a few drinks with him, then, you know, afterwards. He, he made up for it. Oh, yes. Yeah. It weren't his fault we couldn't get on, you know. He, but he, he did give us the reason why, and so I'm satisfied with the reason why we couldn't get on. <laughs> oh, really? Is, is that unbroadcastable? <laughs> no, it, no, what he's... I don't know if I should say. But, uh, you was funnier than the act that was going to win. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. Well, you should have won then. <laughs> and you worked with Danny LaRue as well? 25 yeah, years. We did, yeah. Yeah, so we did some shows with Danny, you know. Uh, that was another thing. We, we were backstage and he said to us, uh, oh, Jimmy, he said, uh, you can't make yourself scarce for an hour. I've got the ladies from the, the WI coming to see the frocks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. And he got this little dog or something, got no hair on it. It looks a right scruffy thing. <laughs> <laughs> See, people love hearing about behind the scenes. They don't know what, what these stars are like, you know, or what we do backstage. Uh, yeah. The reason I started this podcast was because just to give a little taste of what it's like to be backstage, oh. just me, this is like me and you chatting in a dressing room, isn't it, Jimmy? And it's, yeah, uh, yeah. these stories just crop up, you know, and you go, oh, I did that routine. I, I worked with that person in that venue, and 
it's what yeah. we do it, it's just it's just lovely to hear about it all and it makes us feel good doesn't it that we've got memories and we've got friends oh. that we can talk about fabulous. the same stuff about yeah fabulous man. i mean i say doddy we, the years we was with doddy we became really really good friends you know and uh, even when he was doing his audiences with on the television brilliant we did the oh. we did the um sort of rehearsal shows with him in, in and in little church halls and things and he didn't charge anybody people just come in and he introduced us. He'd done a bit, you know, and he got it all on paper and on, on bits of card and all his new jokes. And then we go out to do our show, and all his paperwork's all over our props because he just <laughs> took them out from the magic. <laughs> oh, bless! Who, who'd have thought that <laughs> Ken would have to do warm-up shows? You know, just <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. But I say he was learning, you know, and it just proves that we all have to learn. You know, you're going to do something different. You've got to put the time in, and he. He did, he was right, you know, he's having all these new jokes, but they'd be on paper and he'd be just reading them off the paper and seeing how they reacted. And they either went in the show or didn't go in the show, you know. And then afterwards he gave us um, free tickets to go and see the the live performance as well, which is brilliant. Oh, they are great shows, the audience with Ken Dodd, both of them. Yeah. They're just brilliant to watch, aren't they? You can't, there was, yeah. You can't not laugh at them. And they were two of the best <laughs> ones they ever made. You don't have the atmosphere. As, as you're there live, you've got a different atmosphere to when you watch it on the telly as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's that as well. Because I never went to any of them. I, I was at the Spice Girls one, but I was performing backstage. So I watched it on the screen while it was being filmed. But I'd, I'd love to have been in the audience at one of those sort of situations. Because uh, all, all, the, all right. the questions are set up, aren't they? For that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and I guess yeah, the, yeah. Ad, the ad-libs are as well. <laughs> Well, most of Doddy's was anyway, weren't they? <laughs> but he did. That's what I learned from him. You know, he did everything the same. His ad libs and everything were the same. But it just felt like it was the first time he'd ever done them. Because he was so you know, natural at doing it. Yeah. Yes, and I learned quite a lot from. I used to sit at the stage on the side of the stage and watch him every night. Every night we worked with him. And uh, would you watch him? Or would you watch the drummer? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> now I used to watch Ken. Yeah. Although there was a funny thing with the drummer. I don't know if you ever noticed. If he, if something new happened in his act. He used to put his finger out like that. And that was for the drum. And I think it was Mervyn. And he used to have to write down the gag what he's done. Really? If it's a new Did you ever notice that? That's good. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. So, oh, so no. something's happened. He's got a good laugh for it. He just put his finger out. So the drummer's watching him all the time. And he, he used to write the gag down for him afterwards so he didn't forget it. So I guess the band would have laughed anyway because it's quite refreshing for the band to hear a new joke during a, a four and a half hour marathon of ken's routines yeah. they can know it and they have to know like 15 minutes in between each piece of music the drummer has to know when to do a or yeah, a yeah. piece of music or go straight into a song it must be one of the hardest things to do to be in his band i should have thought so yeah it's up there for five hours <laughs> yeah but they're only, they're only playing 20 minutes of music in oh no <laughs> oh, no <laughs> you spread that out bless them i don't i don't know who it was when you was with them it was irving um, was one of them. We had Kenny. Kenny on drums. Oh no, he went on afterwards. He he was then, yeah. Yeah, so it was quite anyway, quite late yeah. on. Because it was Irv, Irving and I can't think the other one. The Kenny Adams, yeah, it was. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. Kevin and Irving. Yeah, was, I know when I did these, um, the one at, you know, his charity in Liverpool, the Good Turn Society. Oh yes. Uh, and he asked me to do that, and I did it. And it was um, Kenny was on then. He was drumming then. Kenny was. But it was ever so funny because I'd gone round the back to change and when I came out to do my act, the front row was Doddy, Freddie Paraface Davies, Jimmy Tarbuck, you know, all, all these big stars at the front row. Ricky Tomlinson, <laughs> I know he goes to the good terms. Yeah, yeah Rick so. was there and um, Frank, uh, Stan Boardman, 
Blimey, um, imagine seeing all them faces and you've got to try and make them laugh. And what, yeah. what acts did, did Ken ask you to do? Because there was lots to oh, that choose was, from. <laughs> that was my normal act. That was after we'd, we'd sort of... Comedy magic. Me and the, so I was just doing a, a solo comedy act then. All right, mate. Yeah, I heard a lot about the Good Turn Society. It's Jimbo! I like to talk to you about the Magic Castle in Hollywood. So Los Angeles hosts this wonderful venue, and I know it's run by really brilliant magicians. But uh, well, you could you could tell me more about it. I know that Shari Lewis and Lamb Chop used to work there, and great ventriloquists. So tell yeah. me about Magic Castle because you've been there. Yeah, well, um, we had a thing over in this country. Uh, well, David Kay, who was silly Billy, he started the thing off. Um, a little group and it was all supposed to be like the best of the best you know and we used to meet in Hollywood we'd meet somewhere else all over in America somewhere and they went to uh, Croatia and different places uh, and it was called KGB <laughs> all these kids you know and we just used to swap ideas and uh, different things and, and it was like four days four or five days uh, all top magicians together you know from all around the place uh, we went to uh, Las Vegas one year and uh, we had people come into the hotel, uh, Johnny Thompson and uh, different people came to see us. But anyway, we um, he managed to get out of uh, doing some stuff at the Magic Castle. So while we was in Hollywood together, uh, we did the, they have a children's weekend. So uh, instead of having the acts coming into the children, the whole of us did the children's weekend. There's about 10 ah. of us and we all, so we was all working in the different rooms at the same time. And then we'd swap over and swap over. And then on the Sunday, we'd do the same again. Um, and that, that's an experience and a half, that is, the Magic Castle. Really Brilliant. Is. Nice venue, uh, yeah. What, what sort of capacity is the seat in there? Um, but there's a small sort of little lecture-type room, about 25, where they do the close-up. Then there's the, the one room holds about 80, and I think the bigger room, room is about 150 to 200. Nice. Yeah. And well, got nice a, and intimate, then. A beautiful restaurant. I mean, the place is, it's just magic anyway, you know, there's that many floors to it and there's the uh, the, the ghost that plays the piano. You, sh you shout a tune and the piano will play, you know. And, no, uh, oh, I need to go there with my kids. I'd, I'd love to go. Is it something you have to be invited to or can you buy tickets to go and see the show? I, I think somebody has to put your name forward. Right. You know, somebody that's there and then you go, uh, you pay and then you have to do the open sesame and the doors open before you can go in and Oh, oh it, is, it is magic. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. That's fantastic. Now, you, I've just got back from pantomime. I've kind of got a bit of the panto lurgy at the moment where, you know, when your body shuts down and you, you don't do those two shows a day, you're not running about, you're not running, yeah. running to a cafe to get fed in between shows and sleeping on the dressing room floor. All of that stops after six weeks nonstop. And, yeah. and now my body's shut down, you know, and you start getting... All sorts of things, but anyway, it is Stratford yeah, the... didn't I? So I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, you, you just got back from there. So, and you have to tell me about that shortly. But what there was something about Panto that you can't not love. It's just the camaraderie with the cast, the crew, the 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 venue yeah. staff. It's everything, a whole package. I just had a wonderful time 
with the, Mike Doyle down in Cardiff, you know, and a great cast that we had there. And so I loved it. And I haven't done Panto for six years because I've done a lot of Christmas shows. So I took some time out. But it is great, isn't it? And you've done quite a few Pantos. Yeah, yeah over the years I've, I've worked for QDOS and things. At, um, last year I said we did Stratford to Manhaven. Um, that was a nice one. And then this year I was doing my kids' shows and a few gigs with a band. And a friend of mine said, he, he puts just some small village hall pantos out and he got four, four four or five he wanted me and he said well you just come and do the magic and I went, oh yeah that's great it's easy you know uh, in aladdin and then he said oh can you play the emperor as well <laughs> so i said yeah go on then how many pages and he told me and then he said oh and will you do the genie what? so i ended up yeah so i ended up doing three parts you know with the magic as well but it was good fun and because um, with the genie i just changed all the lines to um, the genie of the lamp, what you wish, you know, so I hadn't got to learn much there. <laughs> <laughs> that but, he, but he gave me a lot of free range of, of things we could put in, you know. Um, I was supposed to be this emperor, uh, Chin Chow, the emperor, and I used to say it was Chin Chow. And then um, <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm Emperor Chin Chow, uh, famous brother of famous boxer from Dudley called U Lancho. You know, and, uh, <laughs> I, was putting, I was putting my own tags in and things. And, That's and nice. It, it, yeah, it was lovely, yeah. <laughs> oh that's brilliant you well, but i'm working with kudos now which are now called crossroads so i'm having a great time being back with them yeah i worked with them 10 years ago kudos and now they're crossroads uh, and i believe i'm with them again uh this coming christmas so it's it's great working with different people as well i was with them um, h from steps who was a pop star and gareth thomas yeah. who's a sports yeah. star mike doyle's a comedy star and um uh, Sean Reeves, a great actress. You work with so many different types of people from yeah. different businesses. It's wonderful, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's fabulous, yeah. I mean, I, I probably won't do any more now because it's it, it's a pain of learning the lines and that, you know, and I just, I just, I, I want to take it easy now, you know, I don't want the stress anymore. It is the stress, the line thing, isn't it? That's what I was worried about after six years not doing it and three years of COVID thinking, have I got brain fog? Can I learn lines anymore? And so I was kind of worried last year when I went into it. and uh, But this year, I went in and I started learning it early. And I, I just had the best time. So you, you, yeah. can, oh, you can, in this business, you love to challenge yourself, don't you? That's what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. All the years I was doing it, I enjoyed it. Um, and then so I came out of it for a few years and then got back into it last year. And I was panicking about the lines and things. I did, I did actually, at the end of the Fanto, I did cock the lines up. Uh, I was on these tablets. And part of the, the thing that was on these tablets, the um, was a short-term memory loss was one of the side effects. No. Yeah, and at the end of the panto, it was uh, I was playing the the baddie, you know, the uh, henchman for the giant, yeah. flesh creep. And uh, at the end, I'd got about 12 lines to say, and it was all about it wasn't me, the giant put me under his spell. Because uh, I wasn't a baddie, I was actually stolen from the circus as a magician. And he oh, made okay. me the baddie. I wasn't actually a baddie baddie, you know. <laughs> and uh, and please accept the end that lays the golden eggs as a so-and-so and, and, and all this and of course I've come to the end of the panto on the first night and I've gone here have the chicken I couldn't remember the lines <laughs> <laughs> have the chicken I bet they ridiculed you when you got to the Chinese restaurant at the end of the night you, you have the chicken <laughs> Yeah, other chicken, yeah, that's it. You must be good with your words, though, because, and I'm talking about challenging yourself as well. You've written a children's book. Yeah, yeah, Bilston Bear and the Magic Hat, which was written, I put the, I put a theatre show there called Bilston Bear Show, and I, I designed the costumes, I had them made in America. 
they cost me about seven grand each, these big costumes. Blimey. Uh, I wrote Blimey. the show, I designed all the set, I wrote the music and the words. It took me a year to get it all together. Uh, didn't know some theatres in the bank holiday. And then uh, I wrote the book to go with it, so we could sell the book. The Lovely. Book. And Woolworths, Woolworths was going to have it off me. They was going to have 30,000 copies. And three weeks later, they went bump. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> timing yeah. isn't it crazy no, no, I, had, I had fifty thousand books wrote, uh, printed <laughs> have you got any left yeah yeah i've got thousands left mate yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was um it was like a uh, you know the ladybird books the hardback books yeah yeah oh, oh that's that's brilliant though yeah i'm, I'm yeah. trying to finish my book uh, and it's uh it's nice that you've actually got a book that you've written you know you've done that and it's was it like a tick off your bucket list yeah it was and it, it was um it was, it was nobody to help me as well. I couldn't find out who'd, who'd print it and who'd, who'd put the, you know, draw the pictures for it. And yeah. I just researched all mm -hmm. that myself, you know. And in the end, I've got the books I'm, I'm having them made in China for, 30, uh, for, I think it was 60p each. Really? Wow. Yeah, wow. It's, it's about 30 pages. It's a lovely little book, you know. Eyes and teeth. You even added a little bit of ventriloquism to your acts, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, I, I did it funny first with a big moustache, you know, so they couldn't see my voice. <laughs> but I did learn a little bit, yeah. And uh, and I bought a few masks. Uh, I bought three masks because you know you've got one. <laughs> yeah, I've got one. It's one of my spares, that is. <laughs> yeah. Magic and ventriloquism goes together quite a lot, doesn't it? We, we know a lot of the same people and magic and ventriloquism is it's like a marriage really isn't it oh gosh yeah it's lovely i mean i, I, I mean it's only through watching doddy i really got into doing ventriloquism you know with his uh, dicky mint thing because that just amazing you know i watched it every time i worked with him uh, you and, couldn't and, uh, yeah. i couldn't even if i got paid in the first half i would have to wait until that he'd done dicky mint in the second half which is quite near yeah. the beginning of the second half and when I just, say that, that's still an hour in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was just so clever. It was how he did it. It was just so, and it, you know, it was very believable. You worked in comedy bands as well? The band was called Bumper Bundle, which was in 1987. We did, uh, or 86, something like that. We did the, the Jersey in a, in a five-piece or six-piece band. Right. Uh, we backed this show and everything about singers and dancers, and we did our own sort of spot. But then me, the bass player and the keyboard player, decided to go on our own the year after and um, we called the band bumper bundle so we did a bit of everything a, you know a bit of queen it was on a keyboard vocal um me on drums vocal and the bass player vocal um and we got a summer season in skegness and different things and um, but part of the act was this abdul the amazing catastrophe where in them days you could black your face you know and uh, oh right, right. yeah and i used to come out with the turban and all through the week we was at the same venue in in skegness and we said don't forget thursday night abdul from Egypt's coming, you know, he's here, his, his camels will be outside and all this. And uh, and because I'd come out with this uh, turban on, black me face, a string vest, ladies' knickers and moon boots. You know, this was... <laughs> What's wrong <laughs> about that? I used to set my nuts on fire and all sorts, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, children's shows have changed. Oh, God, yeah. But it was, it was like a floor show thing and uh, there was part of the act where I'd do a snake charming thing with a big basket and the bass player was like, my assistant dressed up as Ina Sharples with things in, and the keyboard player got the dicky bow on the suit, and he was doing the voice because I couldn't speak because I'm Abdul, I don't speak English. And uh, this snake basket thing, I'd be charming it, and the bass player, the, it, was, it was my assistant, he'd pick the basket up, 
and walk off with it. And I've got the snake on a stick on my foot, lifting it up and down. You know, as I'm, <laughs> I haven't realised the basket's gone. And it was a really good comedy. And <laughs> yeah. I said this because you've returned to music again. You're in bands again. You're playing. Uh, yeah. You love your drums, don't you? You love being in a band. And, I and always you miss the guys, I guess. So you're back on the road. Yeah. I mean, we don't do a lot now because they're. So there was a big band in the 70s. They used to back Sweet and Mud and Wizard and all them sort of people, you know. Uh, they wrote a few songs. They were signed. Uh, called Life Fantastic, the band is. Um, but they're all they're sort of old guys. They're 75 and 76 now, you know. Um, but they've always been good mates over the years. I've always known them. Yeah. Uh, you might oh. have known the one, the one guy, Ron. He did a, a, a called Nightmare. All right. Do you remember that? There was him and his mission. And they used to do, have like yeah. a horror, a horror toy pack. That, that's that. The bass player went on to do that for many years, uh, but I say we've come back in into the band now, and uh, we only do a few gigs. But it's, it's nice, it's, you know. It's a bit of rock, rocking yeah. back the years. Yeah, yeah. Back, back back with the boys. And it's I, I heard of a ventriloquist in the uh, early nineties called John Dolly, who used to be a drummer. Then he ended up being a ventriloquist, but he went back to drumming. And I, I don't know where John is, bless him. I don't know where he went, but. I think he gave up the ventriloquism and, and ended up being a drummer again. So you've kind of done that. You've returned to the drumming, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but but magic is also in your blood, isn't it? I, I still do some shows now. I mean, we're playing tonight with the band um, for a, a charity do, a bit of cancer thing. Um, but I've still got some kids shows in as well. You know, I do still do a few kids shows. And I say, and then this next year when I'm going to do the new venture. Yeah, Santa. Yeah. Santa, yeah. I remember seeing you at the Blackpool Convention in 2020, and it was, it was so great to see so many friends there, you know. And I was standing in the queue to meet the great Lance Burton, and then you, you were standing behind me. So we had a good right. catch-up. Uh, we got a picture from that moment. And I remember yeah. just shortly after that convention, which I had such a wonderful time, uh, you messaged me and said, would you perform at my son's wedding? And, yeah. and so... And that's when I last saw you was at your son's wedding. Wonderful, wonderful day that was, mate. Thanks for the it invite. Was, yeah. You all made yeah, me feel so right. welcome. Yeah, you ate all the pies. <laughs> I ate one of them. <laughs> no, it was great. Because it was, it was really nice and informal and, you know, it was just like all friends being together. It was fabulous. Yeah, you have a fabulous family. They were lovely. I must mention your daughter-in-law, L.A. Evans, because I've read her book. <laughs> have you read it now? Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, great twists in it. Yeah, she's got three. Yeah, there's a lot of twists and stuff in the story, isn't there? And uh, I know one of them, she gets a memory back and different things, but I'm, I'm not sure I haven't right. read that. Yeah, it was just brilliant, really good to catch up with you because we had a good catch up in the car park we as well. Did, yeah. You roaded for me. <laughs> you, I did, yes. You, you yes. helped me carry my gear to the car, bless you. I did, and, and, and compared the night. It was so nice as you did. You brought me on as well, and it was... You know, it's your son's wedding, father of the groom. You should have been relaxing, but you, you just made me feel so well when you looked after me, Jimmy. Thanks for that, mate. Yeah, oh, I know it's a pleasure. I'm glad it's you so could good do to see it, you. Yeah, but it is hard to leave the business. You know, it, the business doesn't leave you, does it, when you're in it and surrounded by it. And it's Probably. something that you love. So I think the only time you, you pack in this business is when you die, don't you? You know, you, you do it. Yeah. Like you, Kendi, you, do, 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 do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doddy, we was never going to quit. Never. And it quits you, sadly, in the end. But, uh, Jimmy, don't ever give up. We're looking forward to seeing you at Christmas. 
So uh, I'll be first in the queue to get one of those Santa messages. But good luck with all the planning. There's a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, so I've got I've got the wig being made in China, uh, handmade in China. So uh, the wig and the beard. Wow, that's about five hundred quid's worth. Well, that's uh, that's going to look beautiful if you're getting it properly made. It's not from you know a joke joke shop around the corner. This no, is no, proper no, stuff. So I always believe in you can see the face, you can see the expressions. You've got to be able to see the face, you know. And these these joke shop ones cover you. All you can see is that from the hat, and you know. Yeah, it makes eyes. it kind of creepy when you can just see the eyes. Yeah. Like, nobody has a beard up to their cheeks, do they? I mean, above their nose. <laughs> I know, yeah. And there's a beautiful lady called Heidi who makes a lot of children's costumes for children's entertainers. Uh, she is one of the best Santa Claus costume makers out. So she's going to make... I'm going down there to be measured up soon in Watford. So oh, uh, give her, her a plug. She's, uh, yeah, she's lovely. Heidi of Watford. Hello, Heidi. Maybe yeah, Arthur Lager needs some clothes. Yeah, but she makes all the costumes for the, some of the American Santas because there's thousands of those. Yeah, there's, big, be, there's a big yeah. Santa convention in America. They and she's going to that with um, yeah. And apparently, there's one in England as well in Cambridge, which I found she, out. Just uh, four turn up to that. <laughs> it's, it's like ventriloquists, though, isn't it? Because ventriloquist conventions never worked over here, but in America, they're huge. You get 500 events there. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, when I won the family entertainment, the USA, when I went over there just to, to see what they was doing, and, and I entered the, comp the children's competition at a place, I think, called Kidabra, and I won it. Uh, became the uh, family entertainer of the year, you know, and that oh, was fabulous. Fantastic. Yeah. So that was full of entertainers, and, and, uh, and you oh, went to the competition? Yeah. I just I went there just to, to sort of meet, you know. Um, there was me and a guy called Dave from London, went down there and his wife. And then, um, and I say I won the competition. He came second. Well, he won the family entertainer. The audience's entertainer. And I was won the whole thing, the family entertainer thing. Wow. And Billy gave me the $500, which paid for the hotel and everything, which was lovely. Oh, great. And then the following year, I went down, I went back and lectured. Oh, that's amazing. It's nice to be asked back as well, wasn't it? Because I started yeah. to do lectures on ventriloquism now. So when I do like a gala show in the magic, so I've done Eastbourne last October. Uh, I, I'll do the gala show and then the next day I'll do a talk on, on my ventriloquism, yeah. you know. So, was that the IBM? <clears throat> yeah, it was. Yeah, it came back and it's it's here in Eastbourne again uh, later this year in September because they booked oh, right. it for two years. So I've got a few. I'm doing something for Russ Brown later this year in his little theatre. I'm doing a talk at one of my tour dates. So it's only a 40-seater, so I'm looking forward to the intimacy. Did you not do, did you not do Vent Haven in America? I, I went there in 2003. Yeah, all right. Blimey, when was that? Tw 20 years ago? Yeah. Long, longer. Yeah, 2003. Uh, yeah. Yes, and it was it was fascinating. It was great. Really loved it. Um, yeah. Jeff Dunham was there. It is yeah. completely different because you say there's like 500 vents sat there, but there's uh, a thousand heads sat there, <laughs> you know, because yeah. they're all sat there with um, a little character. Yeah, that's right. I didn't walk around with mine. I was just fascinated with They do, yeah. It's difficult when you see them drive into the garages, you know, for their, yeah. <laughs> their yeah. for their gas. I was going to go. I was going to go. They asked me to do the because they do a gala show as well, don't they? Yeah, they and, do on uh, Saturdays. And I, I forgot the guy's name now. Oh, Would have been Mark Wade. Mark Wade. Yes, Mark. Oh. Yeah. And because he did Cadabra, he used to do Cadabra and Cax, and right. uh, and he kept saying, "Oh, you got to come over and do the gala show," and you know. And uh, I said, yeah, I will, but I never went. Shane went, of course. Shane West, of course. 
yeah yeah and, shane's uh, brilliant but I, I, think I did probably five or six years at the cadabra one in america right wow yeah, that was nice that's yeah. brilliant yeah I, I do want to launch if you get my book finished i want to launch my book at the event convention in yeah. kentucky, kentucky so i need to give myself that deadline I know, you have, yes, you need to, yes. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Carlo, it's been wonderful to catch up with you, mate. Really nice to see you and pleasure. And, and get to know more about your history. It's fan fascinating. Yeah, I've, I've had a great time, Steve. I'm, I mean, uh, thanks for asking me. Yeah. No problem, man. Thanks for being on Eyes and Teeth. Jimmy Carlo. Bye-bye. Thanks to Jimmy Carlo for his time today. You can find him on Facebook and check out his latest news and maybe book a Santa treat this Christmas. Only 11 months to go. Today's quote comes from Tommy Cooper. I spent three years learning judo. I had to with an act like mine. I had to defend myself. Eyes and Teeth is written, produced and hosted by Steve Hewlett. Vocals by Lola Larissa and Nina Hewlett. Additional vocals by Rich T. The Eyes and Teeth music and jingles are produced and performed by Kevin Dean. Join me for the final episode of season 14, That's Showbiz, when I chat to my pantomime mum, Nancy, aka Mike Doyle, as we get to know each other more in Cardiff during a six-week run during Snow White for Crossroads Pantomimes. It's part two of Mike Doyle. Christmas.